Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at adces24.org. Hello, and welcome to AADE's podcast, The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In each episode, we speak with guests from across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm Crystal Broy, Chief Technology and Innovation Officer at AADE, and we've got a great show for you today where I had the pleasure of talking to our walking CGM encyclopedia, Diana Isaacs. We touched on the differences between BGMs and CGMs, how to select the right device, and then how to onboard people with diabetes, and how the diabetes educator should be the one to lead the charge for more technology and practice, plus so much more. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Diana Isaacs. Today, I have with me Diana Isaacs. She's a clinical pharmacy specialist and a certified diabetes educator and a CGM program coordinator at the Cleveland Clinic Diabetes Center. Diana also works closely with me on the technology committee. So welcome, Diana. Thanks. It's great to be here today. So I wanted to start by talking about switching from BGM to CGM and the various considerations around CGM. So I was hoping you could tell me the differences between these two devices. Yeah, sure. So uh, BGM or blood glucose monitoring, the big difference is, you know, that gives you a single glucose reading at one point in time. And as we know, it involves pricking your finger to draw blood and putting it on a glucose test strip. So versus CGM or continuous glucose monitoring, so that's a device that's worn continuously. And so it's actually checking glucose, not in the blood, but in the interstitial fluid. Most devices do this about every five minutes. And so if you do the math, that ends up being 288 times a day. So that really is a lot of information. And then in addition to just having the the readings, you actually also get the direction that it's going. So for example, you know, someone with let's say a blood sugar of 100, but that has arrows going down, that could mean that they could be having a low blood sugar soon versus let's say someone's 100, but they have arrows going up or their arrows going sideways, it means that they're nice and steady. And really what's so nice about having all this information is it gives insight into how food, medications, physical activity, stress, and pretty much any other factor, how it individually affects someone's glucose readings. Another big difference is just when you think about some of the terminology. So we know with glucose meters, right, we have the meter, we have test strips, we have the lancets and the lancing device. So there's just some different terminology with CGM. So instead of those things, you actually have something called a sensor, which is what goes on the body to sense those glucose readings. There is also a transmitter, which transmits those readings to either a receiver or a reader. Uh, Many devices will pair with cell phones, so that can be the reader. So those, I would say, are overall some of the key differences. But not all CGM devices are the same, right? That is correct. Yeah. So there are some, you know, some key differences. So there's something called professional CGM and then personal CGM. So professional is actually a device owned by the clinic and that is done for shorter trials, um, usually anywhere from three to up to 14 days, depending on the device. 
And then there's personal CGM, which is owned by the individual. So there's actually four different personal CGM devices. And there is one that's implantable that is EverSense. There are two that are kind of real time, constantly updating, and that's Dexcom and Medtronic. And then the Libre Flash, that actually is um, the, the one where you have to scan it to see the reading. So it wouldn't give you alerts about high and low glucose readings, but you scan it and then get to see that information. So, you know, some of the key differences between them are, like I just mentioned, like with the real time alerts, getting those versus not. Um, some other nuances are how close you need to be to the receiver. So like, for example, with Dexcom, you need to be within 20 feet or it's not going to pick up a signal. With the Freestyle Libre, you actually have to scan it at least every eight hours. Otherwise, you're going to be missing information. Um, some devices require calibrations. And what a calibration means is you check your finger stick with a traditional glucose meter and put that into the the receiver. And then there are some interfering substances. So for example, um, like the Dexcom G5 and the Medtronic have an interference with Tylenol. Um, so that's something to take into consideration. And then some devices are actually compatible with insulin pumps and some like the Dexcom and the Freestyle have what's called a non-adjunctive indication, meaning the readings are really so accurate that you can actually dose insulin off of those readings um, without having to confirm with a finger stick. And so where can I find out more information about these devices? So uh, fortunately, AADE has a lot of great resources. And so danatech.org really has the information about all of these. And there's actually a practice paper called the Diabetes Educator Role in continuous glucose monitoring, which actually summarizes all the differences between the professional and personal CGM devices, and then goes further on to talk about what that diabetes educator role can be in using these devices. It seems that CGM can give a person a lot of information about their diabetes, but with all that information, it seems like it might get a little involved. Can you tell me a little bit about how you onboard a new patient and what that's like? Yeah, sure. So, you know, CGM device selection is important and it really should be individualized since we have, you know, four different options to choose from. So I usually actually, for someone that's brand new to CGM, I, I have them start off by wearing a professional device and that way they can see what it's like, you know, find out what it's like having alerts and kind of get that experience to make sure that they definitely want to go forward and have their own personal CGM. So we do these professional CGM as shared appointments. And what's nice about that is they get peer support from the other people in the class. And then we really teach them about the ins and outs about CGM, like, you know, where, which places should you wear it? What kind of adhesives help to make it stick better? Um, there's different ones that you could put either under or you could put it over. Setting individualized alerts is important because you don't want, you know, let's say you set a high alert of like 180, okay? That can go off quite frequently because it's really easy to hit 180 if you have diabetes. And so we try to individualize those and not cause alert fatigue where someone's going to be getting alerts all the time. And then we also teach about what do you do with the data, right? So what, like, how do you treat those highs and those lows? And then after a person wears the professional, what we do is we actually teach them about the four personal device options and help them to select what would work best for them with the different nuances. 
And then um, most of the systems are available to self-start, but you know, I strongly feel like individual training works much better for the first time for that kind of smoother transition. So we go ahead and do that. And then uh, afterwards, bring a patient in after a couple of weeks to review their download and kind of go over what all that information means and troubleshoot any issues that they might be having. So once you start CGM, you can tell how you're doing all day instead of just looking four times a day, right? That is correct. And so for me, who loves to track my steps, I use my Fitbit. I could see where there would be a lot of data points that you capture. What do you do with all that data then? Yeah, so that's really the beauty of CGM. And I think you bring up an important point though. So we're collecting all this data, but you wanna do something with it, right? Otherwise it's just data. So that's where I think the diabetes educator has a very important role and going through the data with the person with diabetes and figuring out how they are uniquely affected. So Diatribe has this great article by Adam Brown about 42 different factors that could affect someone's glucose readings. Anywhere from, of course, the, you know, the traditional like food, medications, physical activity, stress, but even other things like really hot weather, having a sunburn, uh, you know, different types of things can uniquely affect an individual. And so that's where you can go through the information. You can have a retrospective report that you download, go through with the person. It works best if they can actually keep kind of a food activity log for up to a week before you meet with them and then figure out, you know, where, if there's some elevations or a time of low sugar, what caused that? And the idea is to try to help the person be in the target range, which is accepted to be between 70 and 180. So you're trying to maximize that time in the target range and limit the amount of low blood sugars or high blood sugars. It also on the, you know, the healthcare team end, it helps with medication adjustments too, figuring out where insulin or other medications may need to actually be adjusted for that. That's great. With any device, any type of technology, I'm sure there are a lot of things to consider. So how do you troubleshoot? How do you know if you're having problems? What types of things do you see when you start a CGM that people need to think about or look for? Yeah, so like with any technology, there's always things, you know, there's always times when it doesn't work perfectly or seamlessly. So some of the things I see, you know, sensors can fall off early. So depending on the device, it's supposed to last for 10 days, 14 days. And when it comes off early, a person can be out that money and that can be frustrating having to change it. Uh, more frequently. Occasionally, you might get a bad sensor that just didn't ever seem to read accurately, or it's put in a spot that just didn't seem to work quite well. Other issues I see come up are the adhesive and just sticking and everything. So um, some tips for kind of some of the common problems are that you know, with any device, it is important to have a backup device, meaning having a glucose meter where you can double check what the blood sugar is. If there's ever a time where the your symptoms don't match what is showing up on the CGM device. Like with Libre, there's actually a built-in meter into their reader, but otherwise, you know, just having a meter nearby. I always recommend that people carry extra supplies because yeah, it's always possible a sensor could get knocked off, something can happen. So carrying extra supplies. Fortunately, I would say the companies are very generous about, you know, if you have a bad sensor or it falls off, you know, within the first few days, they're really usually pretty good about replacing it. So at least that helps with someone being out the money or being too early to get another refill. 
for adhesives, there's actually a lot of options. And so for that, you know, it's great to work with a diabetes educator to discuss different options. I personally like SkinTac a lot to, that I use underneath the devices. And SkinTac is the kind of thing like people can purchase on Amazon for pretty cheap and have an ongoing supply. Simpatch is another one where you can actually put that over it. And so there's actually a lot of similar types of products that can go on or over. And so those are, you know, some things that people can figure out and certain ones might work better for certain people. Another couple things too are staying hydrated actually helps a lot to ensure accurate readings. So if someone was really dehydrated, that can possibly affect the, the readings as well. So just making sure to drink plenty of water. And then something that I, I think is important, it's a definitely a very important educational point, is that there can be a lag time with CGM. So I kind of think of it like a roller coaster. So the front end is going to the same place as the back end, right? But the front end is getting there sooner. So if blood sugar is rising rapidly or it's falling rapidly, the number on the CGM might be a little bit behind. Let's say it says you're, you know, you're 75, but you're dropping quickly, you're actually 60. And so that's also why it's important to have a backup meter just in case and to be aware of that, that it's not that it's not accurate, that there is this lag time because it's interstitial fluid and not the same as the blood capillary. And then the last thing I would say is just, you know, traveling with supplies, um, being mindful of that, just allowing extra time at airports and everything and being careful about going through the scanners and everything. Usually you need to go through metal detectors instead to not, you know, harm the scanner and just making sure you have extra supplies and all that kind of stuff. Those are really some great tips. It's a lot of things to think about. And so if I think about switching gears and talking about putting it into practice, not every practice is comfortable with technology or starting a new technology. So could you talk a little bit about how you integrate technology, especially CGM into practice where it hasn't been used before and what they might want to think about? Yeah. So I think once you start using it, you get familiar with it and you get familiar with the terminology. I think professional CGM is a great way to start, a great way for a new clinic to dabble into it, especially because the cost of like a Libre Pro, so that's the professional version of the Freestyle Libre. It's, it's pretty nominal and the sensor can be worn for 14 days and there's actually good reimbursement on it with the CPT codes and everything. So that is a great way to introduce people to the idea of it, bring them back, and then you can go through the data with patients, the retrospective data. Ideally, you'd ask them to keep a food, some type of food log too and go through that, that with them and it can help with making medication adjustments and all that. And it's a great way to introduce the person to the idea of CGM to the report and what it entails. And I've, so I've seen many models where diabetes educators really take the lead on this. They can insert the sensor, download the report, review the report with the patient. And then usually what happens is they may route it to the provider for the building of the actual interpretation. So the next would be transitioning to personal CGM or, you know, the reality is many patients now are getting personal CGM. And so you want their, your clinic to be able to download the devices. I would say that's key because I don't think it's practical. Do you have some savvy people who will download it, you know, at home and they might bring in a report, 
But the idea would be to have a clinic that can someone comes in with their device and that you can download it. So I think one of the challenges is each different of the four CGMs has a different software management system. So like Libre uses LibreView, Medtronic uses Carelink, Eversense has this Eversense data management system, and then Dexcom uses Clarity. So I would say what would make sense is, you know, whatever is the most commonly used, which I would say like in our clinic, it's Dexcom and Libre. So maybe starting there, you know, opening up a LibreView or a Clarity account so you have the capability to download those devices. Another option, which could be a great option actually, is something called Tidepool, which can universally download all of the CGMs and many of the glucose meters as well. So that would be, you know, just getting that account set up and just practicing downloading these devices, that would be a great way. And then you can utilize that data in your uh, your patient visits. And Tidepool's free, right? Yes, it is free. So that's why I say like, that's a great one to start with. Technically the other accounts for the individual CGMs are free. There's another platform called Gluco. That one does require a subscription. So that's why Tidepool is probably a great way to start. Excellent. AADE just launched their project vision, and technology is a key component of that. Diana, what do you see as the educator's role for helping integrate technology into practice? Well, first, I want to say I'm very excited about Project Vision and that technology is a key component. I think that is so fantastic. I see diabetes educators as the leaders of integrating CGM into clinical practice because no one else is doing it. No one else is really taking the lead on it. So this is our opportunity to do that. And so we're really already doing this with patients with pattern management with blood glucose monitoring. So this is just an additional step forward. And if anything, it's easier because CGM has additional data points. So it's actually easier to identify patterns uh, once you just become familiar with the reports. And so I think the key is to just be able to do this is make sure your clinic is set up to be able to download these devices and that everyone can kind of develop the expertise or all the educators can develop the expertise to review CGM reports with patients. And um, I think, you know, there's a lot of great resources that AADE has. And there's actually, there were two papers I wanted to mention too, that there's two guidelines for Libre and Dexcom that show what to do with the trend arrows. So you could actually incorporate some of those concepts when you're working with that person with diabetes and you know teach them what to do, like how to react when you have arrows that are going straight down. How can you prevent that low blood sugar? So I just, I really see educators taking the lead on utilizing this technology to help people. That's awesome. Educators at the center of technology. Today we've talked about CGM and what it's like and what to do with the data and how educators can play a role and integrate it into practice. But I wanted to know what the listeners can do right now to continue their learning in this space and get more familiar. So fortunately, there's a lot of great resources in Dana Tech. There's actually a CGM Connecting the Dots course. It's it's even five CE credits. So you get CE credits and it's free for AADE members. So that's available in Dana. And it really goes through the ins and outs of CGM, the different devices, uh, what the data means, how to implement it in practice. It's a very nice, broad overview. Then this summer, there's actually going to be another course coming out about applying the data 
into clinical practice. So it's going to go through different types of case scenarios and how to actually understand the data from the reports and help people with it. And then in addition to that, the practice paper I referenced earlier about the diabetes educator role in CGM is really fantastic. There was also a reference guide that was published earlier this year in the Diabetes Educator that I thought just had an incredible overview of CGM and it it talks about the billing codes and kind of the the nitty gritty about those things as well. And then on top of that, there's also webinars. I know there's two CGM webinars about applying it to clinical practice or setting up a clinic, I believe, and then applying the data. It's also like kind of a case-based format. So there's actually... There's a ton of resources, um, and I mean, getting free CE from it, too, is kind of an added bonus, right? And then something that I personally did that I found to be very helpful was I met with the different CGM companies, because there's four of them. You meet with them, um, get more information, ask them to show you sample reports, and the idea would be, you know, wear it. Go ahead and trial it, because that's the best way to really understand the CGM. Get that opportunity to wear it and see how it works. And then you can apply that knowledge to helping your patients. Thanks, Diana. That's really great advice. One of the great things that adds to these new CGM courses is that AAD is going to be creating a CGM certificate later this year. So some of these courses will go towards getting that certificate. Stay tuned for that. That's a pretty exciting piece, as well as all of the other resources that we talked about today in this podcast, and they will be listed in the podcast website. If you want to find out more about CGM, you can always go to www.danatech.org and search for CGM, and you'll find all of these resources and more there. I'd like to thank my guest today, Diana Isaacs, for being part of this program and sharing her knowledge of CGM with all of us. Diana, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again to Diana for sharing her wisdom. Remember, you can find links to the resources we discussed in the episode notes or at diabeteseducator.org slash podcasts. Also, we'd love to hear from you. So reach out to us with any thoughts or comments at communications at aadenet.org. That's all we've got for you today. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.